This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 7.11. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. Up next, are our schools doing enough to accommodate students with special needs? So this comes by way of um, a call from Bukit Batu Assemblyman Arthur Chong for the government to make a special allocation for the Inclusive Educational Program or the PPI that is targeted at special needs students so they're not left behind. Uh, the Pakatan Haraban, Harapan Assemblyman basically said by doing so, the state government could play its part in helping the education ministry to have 75% of special needs students enrolled in the PPI program by 2025, which is a target outlined in Where Else? The Malaysian Educational Blueprint 20- 2013-2025. So he went on to say that the Barisan National State Government should also ensure that these students have access to suitable reading and learning materials, uh, you know, with things like subtitles or other technical assistance as aids. Um, and then went on to say that the state government could provide cash incentives to special needs students at all education levels as a way to help them cope with additional expenses um, and asked basically for the state government to work with schools and relevant agencies to help improve quality of the program. Um, so we're going to basically talk about this within the context of overall, whether our schools are meeting the kinds of needs and uh, and specific requirements that students with, students with special needs might have. Um, and so let us know, how would you like to see our schools adjust for students with special needs? You can call 77332900, WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. And now we're joined by clinical psychologist Prakash Ravindran. Prakash, good to have you with us. So, Talk to us about some of the specific needs that students with disabilities or who have special needs might have, both from a learning and behavioural perspective. Yeah, so um, when it comes to the the specific needs, I think, uh, like you mentioned, there are needs when it comes to their learning. They might have um, challenges with uh, reading. They might have challenges understanding material. They might have challenges with comprehension, uh, mathematics, writing. There are many different areas they might have these difficulties with learning. Uh, on the behavioral side of things, some, some of these individuals, they might have um, lower self-esteem, they might lack confidence, they might have difficulties managing their emotions, regulating how they feel, uh, staying seated in class, um, dealing with all the, the sensory input that you might get in the classroom, right? There's noise, there's other students, there's many distractions going on. Um, they might have communication difficulties as well, or um, whether it's in expressing themselves, being able to put their thoughts properly into words, or understanding or comprehending um, what people around them are saying. Uh, yeah, I think these are some of the, the, the needs or the challenges that they might face. And how might that differ depending on the age group? Yeah, so as obviously as the, the child grows and develops, they go through different stages of their life. Um, and in these different stages, depending on the needs of their environment, if we might see different things come up. Uh, so for some children at the younger age, you might see more behavioral or emotional challenges. Uh, as they get older, maybe they learn to manage those things better. But then maybe as they get older, because the learning has... has uh, uh, the difficulty level of their, their learning has increased, then they might start to exhibit difficulties on that end a bit more. Uh, 
um, which then could also then relate back, come back to the having emotional difficulties, right? Uh, but of course, the, the presentation might look a little bit different uh, depending on their age as well. So when it comes to going to school, are the goals different for children with disabilities or special needs in comparison to a, a quote-unquote typical student? Are there different outcomes that might be aimed for? Well, I think, I think the overall aim is typically the same, right? You know, in terms of education, getting them to learn, uh, making sure they are able to, to socialize and, and uh, interact with other children as well. Uh, but they might have more specific needs or specific goals. Um, so in the, in the inclusion or when we talk about special needs education, something that we kind of talk about quite a bit is called an individualized education plan or an IEP, uh, whereby this is planned specifically based on the child's needs, uh, what is the best ways to support the child, what are the specialized help or accommodations or support they might need, uh, whether they need that kind of support in the classroom or outside of the classroom in the form of uh, uh, outside uh, professionals but by therapeutic services. Um, so I, I do believe that, that the, the overall goal, or the, the big picture goal is the same, uh, but they might have more specific individual uh, goals, obviously based on their needs. What are the current options for educational support for students with disabilities or special needs? Um, so if we talk about the, the, the educational support, uh, it really depends on what kind of setting you are thinking about. Uh, we do have the, the government setting where they do have special classes um, and some of them, they have inclusion or classrooms whereby they do have some of these special learners in the mainstream typical classrooms as well. Um, in the in the more private setting, the, the supports that you might find is some of these children, they might have a, what they might call a PLA, it's a personal learning assistant who, who follows them in the classroom and ensures that they have support. Um, they might have uh, learning support teachers in the school that might give them specialized support in the areas of their difficulties. Um, outside of school, they might have uh, services in terms of, let's say, if they have difficulty with their communication, they might see a speech and language therapist uh, to support with that. Uh, if they have difficulty with uh, any other parts of the occupational functioning, whereby maybe like paying attention or uh, handwriting, uh, staying seated, they might see an occupational therapist. So these are some of the different individuals, uh, people, I guess, involved in, in supporting the, the child. So why would it be beneficial for more special learners to be integrated into mainstream schools? Um, so I think the, the benefit, what they have seen or from research uh, they have seen um, is that when the children with special needs are actually included in a mainstream, let's say a mainstream uh, classroom, they have actually shown higher learning abilities uh, more success in terms of their academic performance, uh, better ability to socialize and integrate with um, other children. Uh, and of course, this then leads on to when they're older in life, right? They, when they leave school, they go to college, or the future is working environments that then 
transfers or, or, or leads to better outcomes there as well. Um, and it's twofold as well. And I think when we talk about inclusion and we talk about uh, special learners being included into the mainstream environment, there are benefits for, you want to call the, the, the typical uh, children as well who don't have needs. Um, <clears throat> they have opportunities to um, understand others, right? So we see, we, we get children who are more tolerant, who are more understanding. Um, they also know uh, what different challenges there are. Um, and sometimes what we have seen actually also in the, the classroom environment is that there's a better understanding of what each individual's strengths and weaknesses are, right? Not just that they have special needs, but they have strengths as well. So, you know, individual strengths are highlighted. And of course, this benefits typical children as well. Um, so the, I guess you would say the benefits are, are twofold, not just for children with special needs, but, but uh, the typical children as well. How can parents go about assessing if it would be in the best interest of their child? Yeah, so I think that's, a, that's usually a tricky uh, question, and that's a, a question that many parents, uh, I guess, struggle with. Um, and a lot of the times that is at the point of entry to school. So typically that would be about what, a six years old, seven years old, where deciding what kind of school they would benefit from or what kind of school they will be able to um, best access their learning from. Um, and typically at that junction, what we might uh, suggest or what we might talk about is uh, something that we do uh, is what we call a school readiness assessment, right? Uh, trying to see how ready they are to be in a school environment. Uh, and we look at things like their emotional regulation, we look at their behavior, we look at their social skills, we look at their academic abilities as well. Um, as an try to be as holistic as possible in the assessment to see how ready or how suitable they might be for a mainstream classroom. Um, so that's something that, that, that we, we, we do try to support parents with. And I think that's important as well, where by the parents uh, can be involved in communication with schools, right? Like, so being very clear with schools um, of their child's ability, what how they are functioning so that also schools can be clear of uh, how they can support these children as well. Uh, sometimes parents are, are worried to talk about their children's needs for fear of uh, their child maybe not getting into a school uh, or a mainstream environment. Um, but uh, Typically, we try to, to highlight to them the importance of being clear, the importance of um, being, I guess, transparent with schools so that they can work together with the schools to make sure the environment is the, the right environment for the child. Uh, so collaboration, I guess, is, is very important. And if schools are new to integrating special learners, what are some essential first steps to take? What kind of support systems need to be in place? Um, I think first of all, it's it's uh, equipping yourself in understanding uh, these children, uh, these individuals with different needs. Um, so you know, from the school environment, getting making sure teachers are aware, teachers understand what these needs entail, understand the different uh, disabilities that, that that they might uh, teach, uh, and 
I guess their presentation and all the, the challenges that might come with some of these uh, children. Besides that, of course, trying to see how they can implement different strategies in the classroom. Right? I mean, to be honest, you know, when we talk about in inclusion and uh, getting children to the mainstream, there are many, many things that can be done. But of course, uh, we're starting off, right? We, we also want to make sure we take small steps that uh, lead to success, uh, one step at a time. So, you know, things like ensuring that the class size is manageable, right? So if you have special learners in the class, you might uh, must you might need more time to, to support them. So class size would be important. Teaching instructions, how can you tailor or how can you use different forms of teaching? We talk about using multi-sensory ways of learning. So uh, varying your instruction uh, and your, your differentiating your uh, learning as well. How can teachers do these small steps to try to make sure everybody in the class uh, is able to access the learning and what they're doing? And to be very honest, actually, what we have also seen is that this is very beneficial to, I would say, again, the typical children because they also benefit from differentiation or learning in different ways, um, different mediums of instruction. Realistically, though, um, there are going to be budget restraints that prevent schools from being able to offer individualised approaches for each student. How can these limitations be navigated? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big challenge for, for, for many schools. I think it is important for a school to uh, operate within their means. Um, so again, not be, not be over-ambitious in terms of what they can do or what they're able to support. Uh, be realistic as well, right? So if these are the resources that uh, is available to them, what are they able to do with that resources? Uh, because I think it's, it's, it's very important to make sure the, uh, the inclusion program uh, or trying to integrate into the mainstream program is successful, create a, a more successful environment um, <clears throat> rather than trying to maybe do too much or have too many things going on. Uh, and I think linking back to, to, to what we talked about just now, I guess it's uh, the simpler steps would be the education, uh, the understanding, um, and not maybe not worrying too much about, you know, infrastructure and, and stuff in the classroom, but uh, things that teachers can equip themselves with uh, to start off with that. And is it essential to have properly trained teachers or facilitators? I mean, what type of training would be needed? Yeah, so uh, I think teachers are obviously play a very important role here. There are teachers who are trained in, in special needs, right? So they might be more familiar with uh, special education. They might be more familiar with different teaching uh, methodologies, uh, different accommodation strategies or support strategies that can be used in the classroom. But I think if we're thinking about inclusion, if we're thinking about trying to integrate into the mainstream classroom or mainstream system, I think all teachers will benefit from uh, the same sort of education. Uh, so again, being able to know what the different disabilities are, what are the common <coughs> presentation or what are the, some, some, the common challenges that these individuals might um, exhibit, uh, simple strategies that they can implement in the classroom to support uh, whether it's if the child is having emotional difficulties, behavioral difficulties, learning challenges, simple ways to, to support the learning of a child. Um, so I, I would think we don't want to just rely on the teachers with uh, 
special education background, but uh, the, the all teachers again should be should be equipped in this way. And how can existing students in mainstream schools be included in the integration process? Yeah, so I think that's a very powerful uh, aspect that, that sometimes is overlooked. I mean, the, the engagement or the involvement in uh, the, the typical students or the other students as well. Or, or we've, we've seen very successful implementations of typical students being uh, nurtured to become peer buddies or peer mentors to other students, right? So, you know, uh, making sure that they, they can support the other students who might have more needs, whether it's again, emotional, behavioral, whether it's learning needs, being a friend, right? So supporting them with, with, with friendship, right? Uh, companionship, whether it's, you know, during break time and things like that. Um, so trying to engage the other students to, to also understand the differences that other individuals might have. So there's, there's some programs that do education for the other typical students, right? To understand what some of the needs their classmates might have. And maybe if they're better able to understand uh, these children with, with, with different needs, then it might help them to better empathize with them, better support them, uh, and better be able to, I guess, be a friend, be a buddy, uh, and be a, a support system for the inclusion. And transitioning to a mainstream school would be an overwhelming process for any parent or child. What's your advice? So I think that the collaboration is very important, right? The communication between the different parties. Uh, we mentioned school, we talked about um, parents as well. So having very clear, very open and very honest conversations um, as well. <clears throat> so on the parents' side, right? So being very clear of their child's difficulties, uh, what their needs are, their, their current level of, of learning or emotional or behavioral difficulties, um, being clear with that. Um, and I think on the school side as well, also being very open and honest about what they are able to accommodate, what they are able to support, uh, what they can do as, as a school or as teachers uh, to help this child. And I think the, the trying to see whether there are other professionals needed to support this process, right? So again, earlier we, we, we talked about some of the different outside professionals that might be supportive uh, or might be able to help the transition. Um, so if and when it is needed, I guess the, the openness that for, for parents to seek out this professional support or, or get um, an extra uh, or professional opinion uh, to try to make the whole process a bit uh, smoother, not just for the parents and teachers, but of course for the child uh, themselves. Prakash, thanks for speaking with us. That was clinical psychologist Prakash Ravindran, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my, BFM 89.9, The Business Station.